Tonight we're going to be reading from Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. We're going to read it first in the NIV and then from the message. So the NIV reading, reading can be found on page 1001 in the Pew Bibles. Matthew 28, 16 to 20, the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age, and in the message. Meanwhile, the eleven disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about worship and risking themselves totally. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. One of the things I say to uh, uh, my students when I'm teaching about, about preaching, um, I often will say to, to individuals rather than to, to the class as a whole, is um, when you stand up to preach, uh, most of the time, probably almost every sermon, it will not be the first time the congregation has heard a sermon on this passage. Um, and if this is true about any passage of Scripture, especially in the evangelical stream of the church to which we belong, it's Matthew 28. So I said to them, you should always bring something fresh and new that the folk haven't heard before. Sometimes your words come back to bite you. <laughs> so shall we pray together? Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge there is no great virtue in novelty. Of course not. For your word stands eternal, and some things really do never change. Thank you, Father, for this quiet place in which we can gather on your word and hear your voice. May that be so in these next few minutes, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20, in here and out there, a challenge for us all. Um, the, the structure of, of these verses is interesting because it, it has this sort of structure. Um, have you ever sort of dismissed somebody or have you ever been dismissed like this? On your way out, close the door. Yeah? On your way out, close the door. Now, you're not actually being commanded to go out. 
You've just been told to close the door on the way out. That's actually the structure of, of these verses. Although it comes into English as, as a command that, that we should go, it's actually an assumption that Jesus is making and that the early church made, but it has the force of a command. As you go, do this and this and this. But there's, a, there's, there's another assumption that's in there as well. And he is tucked away in, in the structure of the passage. And that's why I want to, to move between this idea of being in here and out there. If the disciples are being told to go, well, that assumes that they must have been gathered together at some point. And indeed, the first part of the, the reading tells us that, that they'd come to the mountain uh, in Galilee. Jesus meets them and then commissions them. So as we go through these verses, I hope you'll pick up this idea of movement between in here and out there, and in here and out there. And that's the natural movement of the church. That's the rhythm of church life, in here and out there, in here and out there. Okay? I realized as soon as I put that uh, title up that it was open to a number of interpretations but as Christians, we are all commissioned to go. The commission that the church is given here is a commission to the church. The uh, 11 represent the, the, the church in all ages. And I think that this is the point at which I fear that um, too often preaching on this just makes an assumption that isn't actually warranted. If Jesus is commissioning the whole church to go, it doesn't mean that he's commissioning every Christian to go in the same way. And I have a number of times heard this, uh, this sermon preached, this sermon, this passage preached on in the context of um, commissioning someone to go to cross-cultural mission. And the, and the thrust is that uh, um, anyone should be ready to go cross-culturally. Or if not to go, then to what? How do we support cross-cultural mission? We go or give or pray. Any others? Oh, I leave that for your homework. There, there are a number of others that, that we should pick up. And so it's, it's focused in, in, into this rather narrow context. There are those who do the going and then there are those who support those who are doing the going, and in some sort of secondhand derived way are in effect going themselves. Well, this is not the case, of course. This is the whole church commanded to go. No exceptions, no exclusions. Well, the obvious answer is, or the obvious question to ask is, is where do we go? And I think as soon as you ask that question, the, the passage itself gives you an answer to it, doesn't it? Well, you'll notice I'm starting in verse 19, and then I'm going to reference back to uh, 17 and 18 and 20 and 21. Where are we told to go? Yeah, I'm going to keep doing this, all right. So uh, where are we told to go in verse 19? All nations. Okay, we're told to go to all nations. And that's the same as saying, isn't it, to go everywhere. 
out there. All nations includes the whole of the world. And that starts right outside the doors, doesn't it? So if we're told to go out there, can we spend a couple of minutes thinking where those out there's might be? Here's just a few of them. The first out there is home and family. And this makes the assumption that we're going out as followers of Jesus Christ to make disciples even within our home and our family. And of course, you can see different aspects to that, can't you? You can see one line of thinking there. If I'm the only Christian in my family, my parents aren't Christians or my brothers and sisters or or my husband or my children, then I'm going out there evangelistically, missionally. But of course, if we think of it in another context, in the context of Christian parents, there's a still outward going there. That's still a place out there where I have a responsibility to look at my children and say, I will do what I can by God's grace within His covenant to raise you as disciples of Jesus Christ. So the first out there is the first place that we meet in in our home and family. The second, of course, you'll not be surprised, is the out there of our work. Now, I'm going to, to, to just skip over that quickly for a minute. And you'll be familiar with what I would say if I said, we go out there to bear witness at work. And we do so by the quality of our work. We speak a word for the Lord when we can, and we bear witness like that. Happy with that. School would be pretty much the same thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, we bear witness by how we live, and we bear witness by what we say. These are three out there's that are fairly ordinary, and the others are going to remain equally ordinary. The fourth out there is in our times of relaxation. Whatever we do with with our friends is an out there where we go to make disciples. I don't know how you you see yourself as you look at, at your friends, whether you're fortunate enough to have a group of friends who will actually join with you in that disciple-making because you have a group of Christian friends and you're going out there to make disciples and you're discipling each other. That's, that's obeying this command. Or if the, the majority of your friends are not Christians, well then, it reverts to what you've, you've heard before. So we go out among our friends to make disciples, to take the good news of Jesus Christ and present it by how we do friendship. That actually begins to answer a few questions that we have about relaxation and am I allowed to go there? Am I allowed to do that? Is it all right for Christians to do this? Can Christians do that? Well, think of it in these terms. If I go and do, is that helping me disciple? Is that helping me encourage my friends who are already Christians, discipling them to maturity? Or is this helping me to somehow or other engage other people with Jesus so that they might become disciples? Straightforward question. But it's it's all that idea of going out, isn't it? And then 
one more just. Um, I was in uh, a church this morning uh, listening to, to one of our students, and they were talking about the 10th anniversary uh, in that town of the Yes Storehouse project. And on my way in this evening, I saw the, the, the basket in the corner absolutely overflowing. That's fantastic. And that's something that we're doing out there as a fellowship. What about the stuff that we're doing out there as individual Christians? Now, I'm not talking about the ordinary stuff of work or family or friends or school, or relaxing. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, is there something that you specifically do as a Christian out there that if you weren't a Christian, you wouldn't be doing? Anything? It's worth thinking about. It may be that it's worth thinking about because God is saying, now, here's something that you can pick up. Here's something you can do every Thursday evening or every Friday morning or with this amount of money that you have. Here's something special that you can do. Or it may be that God's saying, here's something that you're already doing. Now, why not fill that? Why not fill it in a way that you're not doing now? Fill it with something that will be specially Christian. Keep on doing it, but do it differently as you go out there. Could be. So, four places where we naturally bear witness. Four places where simply going out and living as Christians is obeying this command. And then two other places. I wonder, is it possible to reconceive of our lives like this? I'm guessing most of us are, are, are past the decision of, of what we're going to do with, with our lives. Career-wise, I'm thinking that. Certainly, some, many of you, some of you certainly aren't past that. And more than a few actually are not past that in terms of what do I do with the rest of my life. You know, I heard somebody saying recently, um, imagine standing in front of God, and God says to you, what did you do with your life? And you start, well, when I was six, and then when I was eight, and then when I was ten. No, 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 let me stop you. And God says, I was preparing you for 65 years. What did you do with the last 20 years that all that preparation was going into? And you say, well, Lord, I played golf. I fished. I watched the TV. That, I mean, as I approach that, that, that moment, it becomes very real to me. So maybe actually this sense of what are you going to do with your life doesn't actually leave. As we look at ourselves and we say, well, how has God specifically equipped me? What specific gifts has God given to me? What intellectual gifts? What physical gifts? What gifts of relational abilities or emotional stability has God given to me that I can use specifically for His service? Perhaps in a job that pays or perhaps in an avenue of Christian service for which I don't need paid. See, it's, it's all this going out there, going out, 
to make disciples. So, one more just, I, 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 don't, I don't know why I mentioned this, but uh, when I was preparing, I thought, well, let me just throw it in anyway. And that's the idea of special gifts again. And, and we're back to family. And one of the tragedies of contemporary society is that there's so many rubbish fathers about. Um, so, many of you will know John Coulter, won't you? Yeah, John grew up in this congregation, now a minister in Coleraine. Now, I'm not talking about John as a rubbish father, by the way. <laughs> no, it was, actually, it was him who told me this story uh, about two children in the local primary school. And they were talking about daddies, and one of them said to the other, who's your daddy? And the other one said, so-and-so's my daddy. And the first one said, aye, we had him a while ago, he's rubbish. Now, isn't that both funny and tragic? Isn't that awful? Serial daddies. I wonder in the way that we do our family life, is there a going out there that shows what a family ought to be? Or maybe, and I'm thinking of a couple of folk that, that I know personally, is there a ministry of fostering or adoption that Christian people are being called to? To give one child, two children, maybe more, a start in life that they just wouldn't have had otherwise. I, I only wonder. I just throw it out. But what I'm doing is trying to, trying to get you to think more deeply about it, what it means to go out. That's all going out there in, in how we do our, our living. But more than, than going out, we also want to be folk who come to the mountain and then go. We come to the mountain, verse, uh, is verse 16. Jesus called them to Galilee, to the mountain where, uh, where he had told them to go. And they worshipped him. You see, it's really very difficult. I would guess impossible to go out if we haven't come in. It's impossible to go out there if we haven't spent time in here. It's impossible for the disciples to go out to the world unless they've spent time with Jesus, heard his commission, and are going out in the way that he commands them. This sense of going out is predicated on what we're doing right now and what we do at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Why do we gather together? We gather together to meet with Jesus, to worship him, to be ready to go out. And of course, it's, it's not just weekly that we come in here. The sense of coming in here, can I extend that to coming in here as well? I, uh, I, I could wander off and, in, into dividing up into groups, and we'll talk about, about this for, for ages. How do you do your devotions? What, what do you do devotionally? One of the, the, the privileges I had a, a while ago was to take a uh, sabbatical break from work. I'd recommend it for everybody. And uh, I w went to be with Anne in, uh, in Pakistan, 
And I had all these days opening up in front of me with nothing to do. Well, I had work to do. But nobody would know if I didn't do it. Anyway, no, 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 no. But one of the things that, that I, I tried for my time there was to say, now, how would I do my devotional life if I didn't have any constraints? So simply to get up in the morning, get myself ready, and say, right, let's imagine there are no constraints. Let me just spend time with Jesus. Now, rather than telling you all about it, all that I'll say is it was really demanding, but really fantastic. It was just great. And I think I learned lessons there that I brought back into, into the more constrained pattern of devotions that I have, you know, by necessity, that, that we all have. But can I strongly encourage you, most strongly, to build into your life a time of quiet devotion with Jesus? In, in our evangelical tradition, we tend to see that as study and intercessory prayer, can I encourage you just to think of it as time alone with Jesus? Time in here. Time quietly in here with Jesus. Every day before you go out there. Because it's only this in here that enables us to go out there. That's the pattern. Why should it be any different for any of us? They're told to go out and make disciples. And this process of making disciples has two aspects to it. They're simply told to go out and make disciples, baptizing them. Well, in, in that, that term, baptizing them, is caught up all of the evangelistic and missional thrust of Scripture. Because all of the going out there is with the intent of bringing individuals to baptism to the point where they publicly confess Jesus as their Savior and begin a new life as part of the church, as the in, the in here people, that's the gate that marks it. So bringing people to faith is, is um, symbolized physically in baptism. Go out and make disciples. Well, that's all of the going out that I've been talking about, isn't it? But, of course, there's more to it than, than making disciples because he talks about making disciples and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. One of the great tragedies, I think, of, of the province in which we live, it's many tragedies, is the uh, way in which we have done evangelism too often in the past. And we've done evangelism and we've seen it in terms of bringing people to new birth. And, of course, that's absolutely right. But the tragedy has been that we've been really keen on bringing people to new birth, but not so terribly keen at nurturing them to adulthood, because that actually is more demanding. And we bring people to new birth, and we say, well, here are the rules, here are the things you do and you don't do. Now, get on with it. Now, I realize that's a bit of a caricature. I know it is. But I want you to recognize that this command that Jesus is giving, as he's saying, go out there, the corollary to that is that we in here are to take those newly baptized infants in Christ and raise them to adult maturity 
And if we're not doing that, then I'm almost tempted to say, I can't quite, but I'm almost tempted to say, don't bother going out there. Can I give you an example of why I say that? Many, many moons ago, I taught for um, about a month or six weeks in a girls' school. It was the most trying month of my life. Centrinians was mild, I have to say. Um, but I remember the, the maths teacher saying to me, when he found out I was a Christian, he said to me, Drew, this is a fantastic place. We have about 200 girls come to Christ every year. And I thought, there's 600 girls at the school, and you're a maths teacher. Something's going badly wrong. And the school did not have a reputation for godliness, let's put it like that. There was a type of going out that was leading those young women to a place where they're saying, oh yeah, I, I gave Christianity a try, but it didn't work. Or, yeah, I, I, I uh, was converted, but I didn't really fancy it. And you think, goodness, what a disservice to the kingdom that was, wasn't it? So if we are going out to make disciples, then we come in with those folk and we make mature disciples by what we do in here, teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded. Now, before I finish that, let me um, stop here and, and get some feedback from you. How do we do Am I still? Oh, can't walk away. Okay. How do we do our teaching? Now, how do we do our teaching here in Bloomfield or in any church? What, what things do we do to, to teach? Anybody? Sermons. Glad that was there. Yep. Yep. Sermons teach. Any others? Now, you're going to have to shout a bit louder. Home groups. Home groups. Yep. Any others? Children's and youth organizations. Yes, the uh, informal and the formal ones. Any others? Life builders. Any others? Our example. Excellent. See, up until... I haven't got my glasses on. Was that Deidre said that? That was Deidre, yes. <laughs> up until Deidre said that, we were in niches, weren't we? Yeah. Only a certain number of people preach. Only a certain number of people lead the children or lead in the other organizations. And suddenly Deidre has said, actually, this teaching is a bigger thing than that, isn't it? And she's absolutely right. Uh, one of the things that, that I've in, enjoyed most over, over the past couple of years is watching people. I, I'm, I love watching people. And I've really enjoyed watching some folk uh, around here, often on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening other times. And that's people talking to folk that you wouldn't think they would talk to. And it's fantastic just to watch that. And I'm thinking of, the, I'm thinking of cross-generational talking. You tend to imagine that teenagers only talk to teenagers. And people who are really old, who are over 40 or thereabouts, only talk, only talk to people who are really old. 
But what, it's, it's really, it's great to see people talking across the generations here. And can I encourage you to do that more and more and more? Do that. It's, it's fantastic. As those informal relationships that have a teaching quality to them, that reach out to everyone. We teach as we worship, as the musicians lead, they're teaching us how to worship. We teach as we explain things within the context of those youth organizations, or somebody asks you, well, what, is, what does this mean? Daddy. Or, Mum, what does that mean? And we teach as those same little eyes watch us. So that's how Daddy does it. So that's how Mummy responds. And we're teaching, always teaching. So, in here, together, and preparing ourselves daily, we are making disciples. We are out there influencing people to come in, and we are in here bringing to maturity. Just to, now that wasn't supposed to vanish, I have to say. Ah, well. <laughs> if we are out there making disciples, in here bringing disciples to maturity, let's finish with Jesus. Because it's not all about what I'm to do or what all of the other I'ms here are to do. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Skip on down to 20. I have uh, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age, or to the very end of the age. The, um, the message translates that really very nicely because it literally says, I am with you day after day or every day to the end of the age. We go accompanied by Jesus. We go at his command. We go with him. We do what we do in here, obedient to Jesus, resting in Jesus, worshiping Jesus. Did you notice a couple of little words that I have skipped over? Anybody see a couple of words that I haven't mentioned? It's just three in the NIV. I haven't even given you a clue that they were there. Anybody? In verse 17. But some doubted. In some ways, those are fantastic words. It's literally, but some hesitated. And you could even translate it as, but they all hesitated. When we come in here to be with Jesus, we come as we are, we come with our doubts, we come with our hesitations, we come with our faults and with our flaws and with our fears. We come as imperfect people. And Jesus still says to us, come on, let's go. Let's go out there. 
think, how on earth could we do that? Lord, me? Well, that's okay. That's, that's all right, Jesus says to us, because I have all authority in heaven and earth. I have it, and I'm going with you. Yeah? And so as we come in here week by week, and as we come in here in our quiet place, we're coming to that Jesus who doesn't just say go, that Jesus who says, come on, let's go. Shut the door behind us as we go. The one who has all power, all authority, the one who will never, ever, ever leave us. Isn't that fantastic? Shall we pray together? Lord, the going out does seem a bit daunting. Not least, Lord, because there doesn't seem to be a square inch of territory out there over which you do not say, that's mine. And so there's not a square inch of territory out there where we can hide from you. But that's okay, because you're going with us. And if we're going into a school that's hostile, a workplace where we don't get much encouragement, a family that doesn't understand us, a group of friends that, well, it's difficult. Thank you, Lord, that you do go with us. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to live, simply to live, and thereby bear witness. You call us to use the gifts that you've given to us, and thereby bear witness, and to talk about you just gently, and thereby bear witness. May we do so, Lord, in the power of your Spirit. And as we come back here week by week, and as we come back to our place of devotion, help us to rest, to be refreshed, to be empowered, to love you more deeply, and to serve you more faithfully. In your own name we pray. Amen. Shall we pray together? Gracious Lord, you have given freely to us. With open hands and an open heart, you have given many, many good things to us. And so accept the money that we return to you now, not as payment, certainly not as a bribe, but just a little token that we give all of ourselves to you, all of our moments, all of our days, all of our years, until we go to be with you or until you come again to take us. Accept our money. Accept us, for we give both in your own name. Amen. Father, for your presence in here, we thank you. For the promise of your presence out there, we bless, glorify, and worship you. And so may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
be with you all.